Good morning, everybody. Welcome here to Christ Church today. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, yesterday was a pretty big day for the church. We had our Trunks and Treats event. How many of you stand up if you were here for Trunks and Treats? Please, please go ahead and stand up. Stand up, okay, if you were here for Trunks and Treats. Okay, well, there's a good number of you. Now, I'm sort of spotting out where you are because I don't want you to fall asleep while I'm uh, preaching this morning. <laughs> but it was a big day for all. Thank you to all the volunteers who came out to make that a special event. Um, and I'm glad you're here today to join us for this final week of the series that we're in called Live Ready. You know, we know that struggles will come. Are you ready? Are you ready for whatever struggle is coming? We know that at some point, we're going to face our own death. Are you ready? Are you ready for that moment? We know that Jesus is coming back, and He may come back before we die. Are you ready for Jesus to come back? I read a story about an uh, Air Force pilot named Robbie Robbins during the first Iraq war. After his 300th mission, he was surprised to be given orders to immediately pull his crew together and fly his plane home. They flew, they flew across the ocean to Massachusetts, and then they had a long drive to western Pennsylvania. They drove all night, and when his buddies dropped him off at his driveway just after sunup, there was a big banner across the garage, Welcome Home Daddy. How did they know? He didn't even know. No one had called them. The crew themselves hadn't expected to leave so quickly. And he related, when, when I walked into the house... The kids, about half-dressed for school, screamed, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. They ran up and they hugged him. Susan, his wife, came running down the hall. He said she looked terrific, her hair fixed, makeup on, crisp yellow dress. And he asked her, how did you know? And she said, I didn't. Once we knew the war was over, we knew you'd be home one of these days. We knew you tried to surprise us, and so we were ready every day. Think about that. Live ready every day. Now, we spent three weeks now talking about how we can be ready to respond to life surprises and some of the tough scenarios we have to deal with. And whether that be a, a personal, painful experience we have or maybe an injustice that we're observing around us in the world, we, we must know how God desires us to respond. And it could also be for that day that Jesus returns. Can we live ready for whatever is coming our way? So today, as we close out this series, I want to talk to you about one of the most important and powerful tools God has given us to live ready. 
And you probably have figured that out. The powerful tool is prayer. Now, the problem is sometimes we convince ourselves that we are too busy to pray. Now, I'm not going to have anybody raise their hands and acknowledge, yes, I felt that way. But I want you to think in your own mind, have you ever felt like I'm too busy to stop what I'm doing right now and pray to the creator of the universe? Now, we might not say it exactly that way. We might say, oh, I'll get to it later when I'm not as busy we may feel like prayer is a waste of time when we should be busy doing other things, fixing our problems. And let's be honest, sometimes we just take prayer for granted. We may not think about prayer until we're in the midst of some struggle or some problem. But friends, this, this is the wrong kind of thinking. You know, God wants us to be in constant communication with Him so that we live ready for any and every situation that will arise. And hopefully today, we can give you a few things to think about so that you will have that kind of prayer life where every moment you, you are in a, a communication with God. So the big idea today is this. Prayer is not the least we can do. Prayer is the best we can do. And I, I want you to say that with me. Prayer is not the least we can do. Prayer is the best we can do. Now say it with a little bit of belief in it, right? <laughs> Don't just drone on. Say it like you mean it. Prayer is not the least we can do. Prayer is the best we can do. Do you believe that? I believe it. So let's go to God in prayer. Father, help us to know that you are always with us, especially in the area of prayer. So Father, give us some boldness as we approach you with our thoughts and our concerns and everything else in life. Uh, you are our Father. You want to hear from us. You want to communicate with us. And Father, we thank you for listening to us because we know that we, we have failed you so often and we can be so weak. But Father, you don't stop loving us. May our faith and trust in you be evident in our prayers. Move us to, today to reveal your heart. You love us unconditionally. You bless us. You hear us. You care. Father, we thank you. Father, help each of us to understand the absolute power we have through prayer. And may we access this power on a daily and continual basis as we are always ready to respond whenever you call. And it's in the name, the powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, prayer is simply put, conversation with God. There are times when that conversation can be passionate and fiery. 
And there are times when it is quiet and more meditative. There are variations and seasons of prayer that a person may experience over the course of a lifetime. Sometimes depending on the circumstances and the situations we're in. Whatever avenue or style of prayer that you may adhere to or you feel more comfortable with, one thing remains true. Prayer is not the least we can do. Prayer is the most we can do. Prayer is powerful and mighty from the lips of a follower of Jesus. And yet, unfortunately, many of us have a minimal or non-existent prayer life. We desire to see God move. We want more from our faith. But at the same time, we aren't willing to invest the time and the energy into prayer that's necessary. R.A. Torrey once said, We are too busy to pray, and so we are too busy to have power. Think about it. We have a great deal of activity, but we accomplish little. Many services, but few conversions. Much machinery, but few results. I tell you, that's a hard quote to hear. But I, I can't say that he's wrong. And that's why it's so important that we ready ourselves to pray. As we think about prayer today, we're going to jump into a few places that Scripture speaks of the power of prayer. And our first stop is in the book of Colossians. So if you want to open up your Bibles or follow along on the screen behind me, Colossians chapter 4 and we're going to be reading verses 2 and 3. Paul writes, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Now here, Paul focused his attention and his writing on prayer itself. And he's calling his readers, us today, to pray for several reasons. One of which is even, was even for him at the time, and we can get more into that in a second. So today we, we want to understand that prayer is not, again, the least we can do. It's often the best we can do. Talking with God one-on-one -on -one is not meant to be a, a check that we put on our check box every day. Instead, it's meant to develop a true relationship with God. Because, as you may have heard before, prayer does move mountains. Whatever that mountain you're facing, prayer can move it. Jesus said it. We believe it. We need to do it. I want us to break down this passage from Paul. So when it comes to the power of prayer and the brokenness in the world around us, how do we go about talking to God about what we're observing? And I want to suggest to you, first of all, we begin with devotion. Devotion. 
That's that first blank in your outline there. Last week, we talked a little bit about saying no or saying yes to certain things. Now, whatever we ultimately say yes to does not just have our attention, but also our devotion. And whatever we are devoted to will be our daily commitment and focus. So that's why Paul says that we should devote ourselves to prayer because prayer is so important. There's this interesting story in the New Testament that seems to illustrate this. Uh, if, if you look over in the book of Acts in chapter 12, uh, I want you to see the importance of being devoted to prayer. We're just going to read verses 1 through 12. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. It sounds like he wanted to make sure he didn't get away, right? Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison. But look at this. The church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. And then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and he said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were what? Praying. Praying. Man, I, you know, that, that's sort of a long passage, but I want to see, I want you to see the progression of what was happening. We're told Peter's thrown into prison for preaching the gospel. You may remember that the powers that be had warned him and the other disciples to stop preaching about Jesus. 
But he had a conviction that he must preach about what he had seen and heard. We've already been told that one of their leaders, James, the brother of John, has been put to death. Now some may look at all this. Peter in prison, James put to death as a defeat. You know, faithful men of God, killed, arrested, thrown in prison. Would this finally scatter this group of people putting their faith in Jesus? Not at all. In fact, you look back at that verse 5. While Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Instead of trying to plot or plan, the church prayed. They knew God was their only hope. They readied themselves by their prayers. And that to me is true devotion. But it didn't stop there. The story went on to say that Peter escaped from that prison because of the prayers of God's people and the angel of the Lord coming and rescuing him. It was certainly a miraculous move of God to free him from prison. And then once Peter was out of prison, he visited the home of Mary where he found his brothers and sisters still in prayer for him. You know, the people of God were in constant prayer for Peter. And God was listening and God responded. You know, a question we should ask here is, what in your life are you praying for with this kind of devotion? And I know that we've, we've had people on our prayer list that we prayed for like that. That we prayed earnestly for. I know I'm praying for my sister earnestly every single day. Do you have somebody in your life that you're praying for every single day? Now, how about the body of Christ? Are we, are we coming together? Are we praying for our missionaries? Are we praying for our friends in Rwanda and India and Togo? I mean, all of them are going through severe trials and struggles. Are we committed to praying for them? I wonder if God has been for some time now inviting you into a deeper intimacy uh, with Him. And the route to get to that intimacy is through prayer. He still has the power to heal. Do you believe that? Amen. He still has the power to restore. Do you believe that? He still has the power to break through any situation. Do you believe that? We must believe Him for it, and not just in our minds, but in our prayers to Him. But speaking of our minds, they are meant to be engaged in the process, which leads us to the second point. We need to keep an alert mind. Being alert at all times, ready for prayer. In 1982, my best friend, Scott Taylor, Scott Taylor's sitting back there, but that's not the same Scott Taylor. He's a lot younger than this friend of mine, Scott Taylor. But this was my best friend. He and I went to England for a summer missionary internship. It was the first time I had ever flown anywhere. 
You know, I'm a country boy from eastern North Carolina. I was 21 years old and excited about the adventure to come. Scott and I barely slept on the plane going over. For one thing, it wasn't very comfortable. Anybody, I can't sleep on an airplane. It's really hard. But the bigger issue, we were so hyped up, you know. I bet some of you that went on those Mexico trips have sort of felt the same way. So we watched movies on the plane and ate snacks all night long. We didn't even sleep at all. When we landed, we had been given the instructions. Now, nobody showed up to pick us up. We were given instructions that we needed to make our way from the airport to a train depot and get on a train for Streatham, which is a district in South London where we were headed. So again, we had to find this station. So after we gathered our bags, we made our way to the station. Again, never been to England. You know, we don't know what we're doing. At least people speak sort of English, like, you know. Uh, of course, again, it's all new. So there's a little bit of trepidation, a little bit of anxiety that we might make a mistake. You, you know what I'm saying. We finally boarded what we really hoped was the right train, and we found a seat. We held on to our bags, and off we went. Now, again, this is the first time that we've been able to sit back and relax. We're here, and we're spread out, and exhaustion starts kicking in. And although we were still excited and amped up, our bodies went into this, I need sleep mode. Anybody ever been in that situation? And both of us just started nodding off. I mean, the rhythmic clickety-clack clickety-clack of the rails. That didn't help. The movement of the train as it swayed back and forth. It just lulled us to sleep. And we'd, we'd fall asleep and then we'd wake up and we were startled like, uh, you know, we, we were afraid that we had missed our place. Panic would set in. Praise God we hadn't missed it. We did make it there. But it just reminds me of something Jesus said to his disciples. As Peter, James, and John waited for Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he was praying fervently in anticipation of this uh, torture and torment he is about to go through, he had asked his closest friends, Peter, James, and John, would you guys just sit here and pray? Would you pray for me? <laughs> but each time he left them, you remember what they did? They fell asleep. And all they, you know, they loved Jesus, right? They loved Jesus. But the exhaustion took over and they nodded off. And Jesus came back and he said to them, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Does anybody else here tend to understand what that means? <laughs> Even as we pray, we doze off. We have a hard time staying alert. Well, Paul's words to us in Colossians about prayer are pretty similar to that concept. You know, the Greek word Paul uses here for being watchful simply means this. I am awake in the night. Isn't that, isn't that when we tend to not be as watchful when we're in the middle of the night? 
Now, that doesn't mean Paul is telling the readers that we can't sleep because we have to stay up all night to be alert so that everything's safe. No, that's not, that's not what he's saying. But he is telling us that in our prayers, we must be this alert. It's as if we have our eyes wide open, constantly checking and searching to make sure everything is all right. And this, this is more about our spiritual eyes than our physical eyes. Another way to picture this is like walking downstairs during the evening to check on things. And in terms of our prayer life, we are constantly checking back in with God. Do we talk with God as much as we talk with our spouse? Now, some of you would say, oh, that's easy. Sure, yeah. Three times a day I talk to God, you know. I hope that's not true. Or do we talk to God as much as we talk to our friends? Are we seeking God's wisdom as much as we are seeking the wisdom of our friends or the wisdom of our culture? You know, friends, prayer is not meant to be careless, thoughtless. It, 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 it's not meant to be just something that happens in the morning or before we go to bed at night or when we sit down for a meal and we say a 10-second prayer. That's not, that's not really prayer. It is meant to be an ongoing conversation between us and our Father in heaven throughout our entire day. You know, we can talk with God while we're walking our dogs. Did y'all know that? How many of y'all have dogs? Okay. Now, see, I can tell you for sure that my wife, Christy, has talked to God while she's been walking our dogs. When Luna starts to go off the rails and she's pulling Christy down, God, help me! You know, she's talking to God. But we can talk to God when we're driving down the road. Any of y'all ever talk to God when you're driving down? And I'm not talking about when somebody cuts you off and, and uh, they're yelling at you. I'm saying... We can have a conversation. If you have a commute somewhere, every, how many of you commute to work? You have like a 15, 20, 30-minute ride to work, okay? Listen, that's a great time to talk to God. And what, we can talk to God even while we're meeting with people, even while we're around other people. Maybe a meeting at work. Have you ever been in a, a meeting at work and... Maybe it wasn't going too good, and you start talking to God in your mind. You know, God, don't let me say the wrong thing here. E even now as I'm preaching to you, I'm thanking God in my spirit for bringing things to my memory or my mind to say to you. You know, each Sunday before I preach, I'm asking God to help me say what he wants me to say. And that prayer is like a continuous prayer in my spirit. Prayer is meant to be deliberate in nature and purpose rather than just those little pocket prayers we sometimes toss towards heaven. When we keep our minds alert while praying, it also allows us to be receptive to what the Holy Spirit might be saying to us. 
For instance, when we pray to God on behalf of brokenness in the world, He may put a scripture in our mind. Has that ever happened to you where you're praying about something and a scripture comes to mind? Or maybe as you're praying about something, a person comes to mind. And, and your attention is drawn to that person and maybe they need some special prayer. Sometimes that'll happen to me and I'll text or call the person that I've thought about and say, hey, is everything okay? I, I felt like I needed to pray for you today. Or we may even remember a statistic we read recently about the brokenness in the world. But in John 16, 13, we read, but when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. Now, here Jesus was telling the disciples that the Spirit of God would come after Jesus left and ascended. And the Spirit would remind them of the things that Jesus had taught them and the Spirit would guide them in what they would say and what they shouldn't say. And friends, I, I want you to know that that same Spirit dwells in you. If you are a Christian, that same Spirit is in you. He will prompt us sometimes through thoughts sometimes through Scripture, sometimes through the counsel of other godly people. We need to be listening when He does. He's guiding and leading us through life. And for that, friends, we should be very thankful, which leads us to our final thought today. When we pray, we need to have a thankful heart. You know, Paul gives that thought in the verses that we read. Um, and this really has to do with how we respond to our situations in life. How many of you find it easy to be thankful when everything is great and good? Anybody here? Are you with me? Raise your hand. Don't lie, you stinking liars out there. Or wake up if you're not raising your hand. You need to be raising your hand. But what about when things are tough? Is it harder to be thankful when things aren't going our way? What about when we experience pain or suffering in our life? What about when we've been through a, a hard breakup with a, a spouse or a close friend? What about if we're going through some physical ailment or maybe we've been in a wreck and or maybe we've lost a job. There's all, any kinds of things that can come up. And you know, we are still called to respond as we pray with thanksgiving in our hearts. Man, that's almost a supernatural thing. If we need an example of this, we don't have to look any further than Paul himself. The Bible says in Colossians that Paul was in chains. You get that? He was in prison. Not because he was some terrible criminal, but he was an innocent man in prison for doing what? For telling people about Jesus. 
Now, you know, he could have felt sorry for himself. He could have said, man, God, I don't deserve this. What a miserable life I'm in just because I'm free. He said, no, in thanksgiving, he was willing and able to pray. He's starting his letter this way in Colossians 1, verses 3 through 6. What does he write? We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Think about it. Here's a man in prison, in chains, giving thanks to God while he's praying. And if he can have that kind of humble posture in prayer, what is our excuse? And doing this well has to do with our perspective. And we talked about this in previous weeks in this series. Are we so focused on the immediate situation that we totally forget about the eternal promises of God? If we're willing to look at things from an eternal perspective, we can be able to have a thankful heart regardless of what comes our way. In Philippians 1, 18 through 24. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. And this is the one you all should know. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far for him. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Man, what an attitude Paul had. Instead of being miserable about his situation being concerned about his own death and what, what, what's going to happen to him, he's so focused on what God is doing. Do you understand the power of completely trusting in God? Do you see why Paul was not afraid to live and he wasn't afraid to die? He also recognized the value of the prayers of his brothers and sisters in Christ, just as Peter had earlier when he was in prison. 
And because of them and God's provision, he knew everything would work out for his deliverance. When you see people of faith who are facing possibly the worst trials in their life, and they still have an inner peace and joy, that's why. Now look, I'm not saying they're be like Pollyanna, smiling and happy and acting like there's no problems. But there is this inner peace and joy. We can have that peace because we know that whatever happens, God is with us in our prayers. God wants to hear about everything that is on our hearts. And when we tell him about the pain, and we tell him about the frustration, and we tell him about the hardships, and we are real with God, not putting on a mask like we do with a lot of people around us, but we are real with God. We realize that amidst all of it, God is still here. Even when we tell him the worst that we could tell him, the worst about ourselves, he already knows it, but he wants us to just be honest. He won't leave us in our discomfort, in our guilt, in our shame. And therefore, we can be thankful in our heart for God's constant presence and his un conditional love. Are you thankful for that this morning? Praise God right now. Just thank him. Say it out loud. Let God hear it. Come on. Wake up church. Be thankful. I have known people facing the most horrible circumstances in life. And they were able to face them because of their hope and peace that comes through Christ in their prayers. They certainly have asked for deliverance. But they also asked for God's will to be done. Which is what Jesus asked for, right? Jesus, before he faced the cross, he's like, Father, if there's some way to take this cup from me. But then he concluded his prayer to God, not my will, but your will be done. You see, it was not his own physical and emotional comfort that was most important to Jesus. It was the will of God that God would accomplish through Jesus. And if that required Jesus' suffering, so be it. He knew that in the end, just like Paul knew, everything would work out for good, for the good of others, for the good of mankind, for the good of Jesus himself, for the good of the Father. And let me say it like this, having God with us, the Holy Spirit in us, and Jesus interceding on our behalf, we should be bold as lions, right? No reason to be hiding in a corner, whimpering like we have no hope. We have hope in Jesus. We should be confident. We should be courageous in our prayers for those that are around us, our neighbors and friends, as well as our enemies. God is ready to hear it all. Are you ready to bring it to him? And so this coming week, I want to just encourage you, focus on one or two situations in prayer that you know you need to bring before God 
bringing this to God's attention, laying it at his feet. Find ways to be grateful in the midst of whatever you're dealing with and to be courageous in your faith. As the Hebrews writer said in Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Bring your concerns. Bring your questions. Bring your hopes. Bring your dreams. Bring your fears and your phobias. Bring it all. Bring it all to Him with boldness and confidence. Always be ready in prayer, knowing that our Lord is always ready to receive and to respond. Living a life of readiness takes effort and intention, but living a life worthy of any calling takes the same. So take some time as we finish up this series to consider the state of your heart, the state of your soul. Are you ready? Are you ready right now? Are you ready for whatever happens? Is your soul ready? Are you ready to meet Jesus? Are you ready? Remember, prayer is not the least we can do. Prayer is the best we can do. Father, we come to you and we thank you for the power of prayer. And Father, I... I ask you to forgive us for so often being weak in our prayers that we, we just, we don't come before you boldly. We, we just throw up weak prayers. We, some, maybe it's because we don't believe that you'll do anything. I, I don't know why it is that this is what we do, but here, here you are offering yourself to us, offering to be there for us, offering to get us through whatever situation we're in. And we're trying to fix it all ourselves. Father, just help us to learn to pray, to, to be alert, to seek out this relationship with you as our Father, knowing that you hear us, you care about us, you haven't left us. There's nothing we can say that will turn you away from us. Help us this morning to make the decisions that your Spirit leads us to make. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.